Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We're in Colossians, and yesterday we talked about um, if, if you're in Christ, if you've been saved, if you've been risen with Him, there are certain aspects of the old life that it should just be a given that we just we cut these things off. These aren't becoming of a Christian, uh, of a follower of Christ, and uh, and so we kind of looked at that list. Now, there's a principle you're going to find in scriptures uh, in Colossians here and Ephesians uh, and other places that uh, it's a principle of replacement. You can't just do away with something; you got to replace it with something. Uh, the Bible says, "Let him that steal." Uh, uh, that stole steel no more, you see, um, but rather work with his hands and give to the needy is, is the concept. So you go from stealing to being benevolent and working with hands and, you know, some, some, some character building. And uh, so you can't just stop stealing. You got to replace it with something. Jesus gave the story of a man who had a demon in him. And after it was cast out, uh, he kind of gives the story of what the demon does. And he kind of goes around, looks for another place, to uh, someone else to torment, someone else to bother. And he doesn't find rest. So he decides, you know, I'm going to go back where I came from and see, uh, see what's going on there. He goes back to the man and he finds it swept and garnished. But it's cleaned out, but it's empty. In other words, the, the demon was evicted. They, uh, they cleaned up the place, getting ready for a new tenant, so to speak, but never put someone else in there. And... Um, and, uh, and, and so what ended up happening was he saw this vacant room. So he decides, I'm going to take seven others uh, with me, seven other demons. And they go back into that man. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus gives this story, and he says, the state of that man is worse in the latter than it was at the first. Uh, I would say seven, at least seven times worse. And so... Uh, so what we see here is you can't, it's not enough to just get out the bad. You got to replace it with uh, the, really the opposite. And so that's what we're going to see here in our text. We're in Colossians 3. I'm going to go back to one verse from yesterday and then, then jump forward. And the verse I'm going to bring up is um, um, verse number 10. It says, and I've put on the new man. So we have a list of things we're going to mortify and things we're going to put off. Uh, verse 8 talks about put off these also, the more deeper things. The, the first list is kind of obvious, okay? Uh, the second list, a little bit, you know, closer to home probably. Now he says, uh, so those things you put off, but see that you put on, uh, that you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. See why it's so important to know Christ? Why it's so important to know the word of God? Because you're only going to renew according to knowledge. You'll never change the way you behave until you can change the way you think. You'll never change the way you think until there's new information in there. You see? Uh, somebody who doesn't wake up and they're saved, there has to be the knowledge of, uh, of the gospel. All right? Um, and, and so it is with many of these other things. Now, sometimes the knowledge comes from uh, the school of hard knocks. We have our own way. We think certain ways. And uh, when it doesn't work out, we've made a mistake of things. All of a sudden, we're going to listen to other ways. Okay. Uh, wow, maybe I should have listened to my parents. Maybe I should have listened to my pastor or whatever the case may be. And so, so he, says, uh, he says, we put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, this renewal, this growth in knowledge. 
Well, we, I, I think I referenced it yesterday, uh, Romans 12. It says, uh, be not conformed to the world, verse 2, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? With knowledge. All right. And, uh, and so that's the information that goes in for me to have a transformation. Information will lead to the transformation. Um, you know, input to output is, uh, is the concept there. So, uh, so there is going to be a, a new man. Okay. Uh, verse 11, or are we, we are a new man. The one uh, after the image of the one who created him, we're to become like the image of Christ, but it's knowledge. You see, this is why it's so important. We don't just have the Bible and got saved. Uh, now we must grow in grace. Okay. Uh, I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned yesterday, um, about that book, uh, uh, Your Best Life Now with no Bible references. Well, you know, I'm just trying to help people have their best life now. You're not going to have your best life as a believer apart from the Word of God. You need the knowledge of Him that created you, the new creature. So in verse number um, 12, put on, therefore, we've cut off and mortified, we're a new man, put on, therefore. So put off, put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. First one, bowels. Of mercy. Now we don't use the word bowels like they used uh, uh, in, 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 at 1611, and uh, uh, the way people are more maybe that's your spiritual gift, mercy, and uh, and it just comes natural. You're a merciful person, all right. You're compassionate, uh, and all of those things. And uh, so some of us have to work a little bit harder at it and intentionally put it on. I need to be merciful. I need to be compassionate. I need to to show mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is withholding what someone deserves. You've earned punishment, so to speak. Mercy would be withholding the punishment, for just as an example. But my innermost being, bowels of mercy. As God's been merciful to me, I want to be merciful for others. And I see mistakes people make, and I see these things. And and it's not saying I'm light on sin or or anything else, but it's saying uh, from my innermost, I, I feel for them and I want... I, I would want them, if they could learn the lesson without any, be, apart from consequence, that, I would want that, you see. Uh, as bowels of mercy. How about this? Kindness. It's sad. We got to tell Christians, hey, put on kindness. We have a lot of unkind Christians. We have a lot of uh, 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 people that, that uh, kindness is not an adjective you describe them with. Put on kindness. Put on humbleness of mind. Why? Because we're proud. Well, I'm, I'm not proud. No, we're all proud. We all love ourselves too much. You see, people, uh, psychology today says the problem is you just don't love yourself enough. No, the problem is we love ourselves too much. Jesus even said, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. And, uh, and but the reality is we love ourselves. We're full of pride. We don't like correction because we're proud. We don't like being told we are wrong. We don't like having being challenged in anything. Why? Because pride. I, I want to have it all together. I want to have all the answers, and um, and it's tough. But uh, but he says, put on humbleness of mind. That's something that goes pl- takes place here. It's not something that I fake. Something I feign. I I I, I pretend I'm humble. Okay, but in, it's it's a, it's a it's a position of my mind where. The reality is, uh, I am nobody. And uh, and as it says in Philippians, uh, esteeming others better than yourselves. Humbleness of mind. Why? Because I'm putting on according to the image of him that called me, uh, that has created me. 
humbleness, lowliness. Okay, and that's, that's the next part. It goes into humbleness of mind, meekness. You can't be meek without humility. Those two really, they're, they're very near cousins. Meekness. You say, what's meekness? Uh, some people, I think, if we're not careful the way we describe it, it's like weak, weakness. All right, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is like strength under control. All right, it's like having a race car, but obeying the speed limit. Okay, um, Moses was described as one of the most, the meekest men. Uh, but at one point, he killed 3,000 people. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but he was meek. He was lowly. Christ was described as meek and lowly, yet he, he was a strong man. I mean, to take the whipping and to take the cross, to, the fact that he went into the temple, made a whip and drove out the money changers. I tell you what, uh, he, he, was a, he was a meek man, strength under control, humility. You see, he, he never went around saying, you should listen to me because I'm the son of God. No, he just taught lovingly. And sometimes, you know, this truth would come out. There was never, you know, you never sense pride in Christ. And by the way, if anyone could be proud without it really probably being a sin, it'd be Jesus. Um, but it goes on. Uh, meekness, long-suffering. Another one we're horrible at. Another word we might use is patience. But uh, I like the word long-suffering because the word says what it means. Suffering long. Long-suffering. How do you handle people? I just, uh, I just can't take them another minute, you know. I was talking with somebody about, uh, um, you know, dealing with difficult people. I just, I just can't do it anymore. Well, go in and suffer again. Go in and suffer long. Oh, they're going to do this, that maybe. But you know, when we look at, it, we're going to see a word in a minute, charity. But uh, you know, it says it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. Charity never fails. And and so so this long suffering, it's go through it again. Especially with those that you love and care about. This is how we ought to interact with, with, with families. How we ought to interact with brethren, with other believers. And so we should suffer long. It's tiring, exhausting, it's painful at times. But we suffer long. Look how long suffering Christ is. The Bible even tells us the long suffering of our Lord is our salvation. None of us would be saved if it was not for the long suffering of God. If he gave us what we deserve right when we deserved it, none of us would be saved. But he waits and he draws. And sometimes he gives us 8, 9, 10, 11 chances as, uh, as he's tugging on our heart saying, you need to be saved. But even beyond that, I just think about my own development in my life. I look, I look to God and I say, God, how do you have the patience for me? This is, this is crazy. Uh, I'm so hard-headed. But, uh, but he suffers long. Um, here's the next one forbearing one another. This, you see how they build on each other? Forbearing. Putting up with each other. Uh, boy, if you look through all the one another's in the Bible, uh, it's amazing how we are to interact with each other. Putting up with each other. Um, the reality is uh, we need to learn to forbear. You know why we don't forbear? We're not humble in mind. You know why we don't forbear? We, we're, not, uh, we're not meek. You know why we don't forbear? We're not long-suffering. Forbearing one another, and, and really, we can go back even further to the beginning of the list. We don't have bowels of mercy. If I saw somebody, everybody, through the lens of bowels of mercy, my innermost being, through, through the lens of mercy, 
I would, I would be addressing people. There would always be a moist spot in my eye on the verge of, of tears, my compassion and love for them and, uh, because mercy's flowing. And, and no longer is it, oh, this is weighing on me. It's draining me just being around them. It's, it's more like this poor soul, they don't get it. How can I help them? How can I help them see it? And I come back again and again and again. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. And, and it believeth all things. Forbearing one another. And this is needful if we're going to forbear. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Hey, did you have some unforgivable things that Christ forgave? Some people do some unforgivable things. And, and we got to go back to the cross. What did Christ forgive me of? You see, the reality is the way you've hurt Christ is far exceeds the way they hurt you. Go to Matthew 18 for that. Uh, a tremendous illustration on that. Uh, the, the last half of the chapter. But in that same chapter, Matthew 18, Peter asks the question. He says, uh, how often should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And he answered them, uh, I said unto you seven times, but 70 times seven. I saw a meme the other day. And it says, uh, uh, forgive each other because math is hard. <laughs> and if I try to keep track of all of them, I really haven't forgiven, have I? And, um, but the reality is forgive. Well, they're going to do it again. Yeah, just like you're going to sin against God again. And he's already forgiven. They're going to do it again. Yep, that's what, well, welcome to the family. You see, I know this is hard, but this is where Christianity becomes real. Where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. You see, we all like the idea of Christianity when, there's, when everything's going great. And we'll talk about principles of forgiving. We'll talk about all these things. And we're saying, amen. That's wonderful. But all of a sudden, when you have to do it, Christianity goes from being a metaphor to a reality. Oh, you mean I have to forgive him? Or I have to forgive her? Whole different game now. You see, we start carrying grudges. Then bitterness comes in. It's amazing. There's the story in the Bible when the guy comes up to uh, uh, to Peter. They laid hands on people and they got the, the Holy Spirit. And this man says, and he had a kind of a false confession, a false conversion. And he said, hey guys, how much would it cost from, for you to give me that gift so whoever I lay hands on will get the Holy Spirit? Peter looks at him. He said, uh, your heart's not right with God. He said, uh, he said, I perceive you're in the goal of bitterness. You think, how did he come to the conclusion of bitterness? And he says, your money is going to perish with you. And then he humbles himself and says, well, pray for me, guys. Pray for me. But he, he, he pinpointed something. You're in the goal of bitterness. The, the, the pit, the trap of bitterness. Sometimes you talk to people and uh, you're like, where are you coming with these outlandish conclusions? Oh, follow the thread. There's, there's a bitter, there's a thread of bitterness. Uh, they're in the goal of bitterness. What are they doing there? How'd they get there? Somewhere along the way, there was unforgiveness. That's really what bitterness is. It's unforgiveness. Somewhere along the way, they didn't forgive. They don't know how to handle and interact with their fellow man. Well, they hurt me. Yeah, you hurt God. He gives the, the ultimate 
comparison, he says, even, uh, he says, uh, um, uh, where was it? Uh, uh, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If any has quarrel against any, that's the best thing to do. In fact, I love the passage in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He's challenging them. He says, what's the matter with you guys? You're going to law. You're suing brothers. You're going to law with each other. Don't you realize that, the, that, that you guys are going to judge angels one day? He said, the least, the lowest, the newest Christian in the church ought to be able to judge these matters. All right, what are you doing going to the unsaved? who don't even have the same uh, understanding and system that we have. <laughs> and, then, and then he says this. You should be able to handle it. And then he, and then he says, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, better yet, why don't you just forbear it? Why don't you forgive the debt or forgive the, you know, why? Because the relationship's much more important. If I ever loan out money or even loan out items, um, you know, uh, but especially money, I'll tell them this is not a loan, right? Uh, you know, if, if you feel so led to repay, wonderful. But I want you to know this is not a loan. Why? I don't want that to come between us. Um, I heard a story about a, a pastor. He had a Christian school. And uh, he was at the post office one day. And he, and he was coming out of the post office. And there was one of his church members. As soon as he saw the pastor, he dove into the bushes to avoid him. He thought, what in the world? Well, it turns out that man was behind on their payments for the Christian school. And... Uh, and, and God really touched the pastor's heart. And he said, you know, kind of, uh, do you think you should be charging for this Christian school? And uh, led them to have a, a free Christian school for the, for the folks in the church. And why? What's happening? This man was distancing himself from the pastor because of this wedge that came between him because he owed money. You see, all I'm saying with this is, uh, you know, maybe the right thing to do is... Bring maybe a matter before the church and say, hey, he wronged me this much. And the church should say, yeah, I think you should repay. But how much better, especially if you're able to, to just let it go for the sake of that relationship. Because we're a family. Family doesn't do each other like that. We, 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 we work together. The, the first century church, they had all things common. I'm so thankful for the folks in our church. Uh, so that several people have equipment and, and things, you know. People, people have plowed my driveway. People will let me use their truck to plow other driveways. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I had to move some several large stones. And uh, I didn't, there was a guy in our church that had a tractor. I didn't even know he had a tractor. And he said, oh, I'll go take care of that. And he's driving his, uh, his loader, um, carrying these uh, a couple loads of rocks to my uh uh, to my house, and uh, I know that's not a cheap piece of equipment, but you know what? We 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 kind of have we have all things common, and but there is such liberty made to the point where you say these things don't belong to me; they they belong to the Lord. Boy, it's so much easier to forbear, isn't it? Um, when I have humbleness of mind, meekness, you know, like Philippians, esteeming others better than myself, these are tools to be a blessing. Hey, God's blessed me. I want to pass it on. You see, forbearing one another, if any man has quarrel against any, or he says, it says forgiving one another, if any has quarrel against any. Let me just caution you, friends. The moment you choose not to forgive, from the heart, here's, here's what forgiveness is. It's taking the hurt, because you don't have to deal with it either way, accepting it, making a conscious decision, I choose to forgive, I choose to let them off the hook. And the third thing is this, 
I do not want to get even. Because when you fail to forgive, you're keeping them on the hook in your heart. And by the way, there's a bungee attached to that hook to them. And every time your mind goes there, you're pulled right back to that and all that stuff stirs up again. But by saying, I, re- I don't want to get even, you see, when I say, I'm not going to forgive, Jesus, God says, vengeance is mine, say the Lord, I'll repay. What you're saying is, I'm going to repay here. Well, what is bitterness anyways? It's me drinking poison, hoping you die. <laughs> it's only hurting you, friend. When I refuse to forgive, I'm keeping him on the hook. I'm taking him, remember I mentioned, you know, does a brother take a brother to law, to, to court? To Well, I'm taking him to the court in my heart. Where I'm judge, I'm jury, I'm executioner. That's not a fair trial. You see, forgive from the heart. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Perfectness. Put on charity. What is charity? Go to 1 Corinthians 13 and get a great list. What is charity? It's long-suffering like we looked at. It, uh, it's kind. We saw kindness. It, uh, it endureth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It never fails. It doesn't seek its own. It's not puffed up. It's not proud. It doesn't envy. All these things. This is charity. Charity is love put to action. It's agape. It's God loving others through me, but really beyond my capacity. Put on charity above all these things. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, towards the end, it says, Now abideth these three, faith, hope, charity. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest. It is the greatest Christian virtue. If I could focus on just one aspect, it's charity. But charity kind of encompasses all of them. Bowels of mercy, no problem. Why? Because I have charity. Um, Kindness, no problem. I have charity. Forbearing, no problem. Forgiving, no problem. Humility, no problem. I have charity. It kind of covers all. So so above all, focus on this. Learn what is charity. Christian, do a study on your own. Find out what charity is. And uh, we'll pick up there tomorrow, but the next verse starts off, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Allow it to flow. That's what let, let, allow it to flow, to rule in your heart. You see a lot of Christians, they're not in peace. We'll pick up on that thought tomorrow, but, uh, but let's consider this. Yesterday was kind of negative. Hey, mortify, cut off, put on. Put on. This is what a Christian looks like. This is what the person of Christ looks like. Why? Because we are to put on Christ. We are to, uh, it was uh, verse 10, put on the new man renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, after the image of Christ. So what are we doing? We are working with God to the end of him making us like Jesus Christ. How's our submission? How's our servanthood? How's our commitment to him. And uh, I hope that's a help to you today as we consider it. Go through that list. Write them down somewhere. Put them by your mirror. Put them on the fridge. Think, how am I doing on these things? Because this is the new man that I'm supposed to live in. How am I relating to my fellow man? Is there anybody, start with this, is there anybody in my family that I have odds with? My immediate family. Is there anybody that these aren't following through? Then my church family. Is there anybody that, that there's a division with, there's, there, there's some issues with. And then we can start going into secular relationships and onward. But, but I think, I believe that's the priority as we go out. And we think, if any names come to mind, 
and you think, I just can't make that right yet. I can't forgive you. Then you start praying. You start bringing that name before the Lord every single day until you can. Because, friend, it's only going to hurt you and it's going to damage that relationship. And what the Bible says about bitterness, Hebrews uh, 12, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, the one with bitterness, and thereby many be defiled. Be careful, friend. You're going to hurt those around you, the ones you love the most, because you never dealt with bitterness with someone who's completely unrelated to the situation. I sure appreciate you folks. I hope this was a help to you today. And if you need anything, as always, reach out. And uh, we look forward to, to seeing you next time. God bless.